0: The people that go to movies and just, like, are barely watching the movie, they're just, like, turned to each other and having a whisper conversation the entire time. Like, that's almost worse than if they were just talking out loud. (laughs) Like, they were talking through the entire movie. And, like, there wasn't enough. Like, I couldn't really move seats because then I just would have been, like, too close to somebody else. They were the worst. The other big offenders were the weird, like, I don't even know what the situation was, but I saw them outside at the concession stand first, and they were this group of, like, older women. They were almost dressed like a bachelorette-type party, and I was like, that's weird. Is that what that is? Why are they going to Cocaine Bear? Obviously, it wasn't a bachelorette party, but it was just- Maybe they were
1: there for 80 for Brady and just walked into the wrong theater.
0: (laughs) Maybe. They were there for the new Jane Fonda flick, because there's, like, 12 of them. (laughs) But- Yeah, they just walked in and the trailer for the new Owen Wilson, like Bob Ross movie started playing and one of them like started screaming during it. And then after the trailer was (laughs) over, she was just talking louder than anybody has ever talked in a theater like, wow, what a Bob Ross moment that really got to me. And then they proceeded to just (laughs) like talk loudly through every single trailer And then once it got to the movie starting, they all started clapping. And one of them was like, Cocaine Bear, Cocaine. And I was like, This (laughs) this should be fun. But I honestly hope they go outside and get run over by a car, along with the people sitting (laughs) next to me.
1: (laughs) I bet you were extra confused when halfway through the movie, one of them just yelled out, I love Tom Brady.
0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Arnie's. We're three guys who deal with coked-out bears regularly. I'm Matt Johnson, and I'm an expert in bear culture.
2: I'm Keith Baker, and I have 20 questions about this movie.
1: And I'm Austin Terry, and I think as a society, it's time we collectively agree to put some respect back in the park ranger's name.
0: On today's show, we're talking about one of the big new releases much talked about with Cocaine Bear. Um, Austin and Keith, did you have any expectations going into this kind of movie? Obviously it's kind of been talked about on social media and in general, I think largely because of its title being so, uh, upfront about what it's about and the trailers were certainly uh, a blast and I think got a lot of people, including us excited. So, I mean, did you have any like serious expectations going in? Um, and then of course, yeah, like always let us know your non-spoiler thoughts this time on Cocaine Bear.
1: Yeah, I didn't have any major expectations coming into this movie, and I'd honestly be surprised if anybody did. I mean, it's it's literally a movie called Cocaine Bear. All they set up in the marketing is that it's a bear on cocaine that's going to tear people up. And so I've, I've been really surprised by the dialogue about this movie, because I'll just say right off the bat, I had a pretty good time with this movie. I laughed a lot. I thought some of the kills are creative. I think it's a bit too long. It doesn't have great characters, but I got exactly what I wanted out of the movie that I expected going into the theater, so it didn't disappoint me. But I keep seeing... Like the dialogue online about this movie is you either loved it or you absolutely hated it. And it feels like there's no in-between for just like, it was fine. Maybe it's a bit too long. It's not perfect. There was no way this movie was going to like win any awards or anything like that. It's literally just there to give you some creative kills and entertain you for an hour and a half. So I've been really surprised by the online dialogue, but I'll say overall, I had a blast with cocaine there and I think you should see it in theaters.
2: Yeah, I think it's one of those movies that you shouldn't take too seriously. Don't go into it expecting like a detailed story like cocaine like narcos type storyline about how the cocaine got there and their dealings with all that really it's just a bear that's just tearing these people up so yeah my expectations kind of like you austin weren't too serious i just remember seeing the trailer it was just funny looking this bear was just eating tearing people up and then just slaps the title like cocaine bear but yeah i mean it's only an hour and a half long um by the end of it i was like yeah okay i'm ready to go it was fine it was entertaining Maybe maybe you don't have to see it in theaters, maybe you can wait till it comes out to streaming. I'm kind of indifferent on that, but uh overall, I'd recommend it.
0: yeah, I think recommends a good word. Um, I don't think it really matters at the end of the day, whether you think Cocaine Bear is good or bad. It almost seems irrelevant. I really just think it's a movie less about quality and more. Would you recommend it to somebody or not, and I have a feeling that most people would give this a high recommendation. I know I certainly would, uh despite the theater going experience, which was horrific, the movie still was able to kind of break through that. I thought, like Austin said, it's it's exactly what it, it was trying to be. It's never trying to be anything other than like an 80s style romp, like kind of an action comedy type deal, harkening back to some of those uh, uh, older flicks. And for that, I think it nailed what it was going for. Um, I had a great time with it. Lots of laughs, lots of like, ooh, whenever like some crazy kills were going down. Um, the only like actual criticism – and again, does it really matter? Probably not. But I think Austin also <laughs> mentioned it. But my only criticism, it goes beyond uh, kind of the general critique of the characters. I love Carrie Russell, and I guess she's kind of the lead of this movie. Uh, it's just a shame that I think you could have literally like cut her character and her storyline with the young kids out of the movie completely. It really just feels like this movie is at its best when it's following um, O'Shea Jackson Jr. and Alton Ehrenreich and kind of the actual uh, like drug dealing story like, oh, there's this our Coke fell in this forest. They don't know a bear got to it, but uh, we have to go get our Coke back. That feels like a much more uh, compelling story, and it's the only one in the movie that I ever really cared about and wanted to actually watch. Every time they cut back to Carrie Russell, I was like, I don't care about this.
1: Oh, see, I disagree. Every time Carrie Russell was the one I was the most interested in, I could have cared mm-hmm. less about the other characters. But I think that's also an interesting thing about this movie is there is, like I think, four different groups of characters, and most of them are just fodder for the bear to eat. Um, but they, I did think they had a pretty realistic way of getting all of the characters into the situation. And at least the beginning of the movie felt believable to me, which kind of set it up for future success, I think, in my mind with me of just everyone got there realistically. And now, oh, no, there's a bear on cocaine that's going to tear some people up.
2: Yeah, I think I'm kind of in the middle of you guys. I don't think any, any group of characters really stood out more than the other. I think they were all decent, but
1: not, no one really stood out for me.
0: I agree. Nothing super special.
1: Yeah, I do think this movie is going to get a huge second wind um, when it comes to streaming. I think it's going to just do like gangbusters when it gets out there. I also think it's going to be a a good movie to put on at parties. Like I could totally picture this movie just being on at a big group party just on in the background. So I think there's a place for this movie and I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to I'm curious to see how it'll end up doing in theaters at the end of uh, its run, but it'll it'll find its audience for sure. It's probably going to become a cult thing uh, eventually, whether or not it like does well it'll it'll find its audience for sure there's lots of people out there that want this kind of thing
2: i'm glad well i'm glad your your theater was sold out austin because i was i, I was kind of like down in the dumps when i got to my theater yesterday i was the only one in there i was like what i thought everybody's gonna show it for this <laughs>
1: <laughs> well keith they certainly were not in ant-man 3 either because this movie has already surpassed <laughs> ant-man at the box office holy shit
0: well surpassed meaning ant-man is like number two at the box office you mean
1: yeah, it dropped sixty five percent in its second week in showing. Mm. Cassie,
0: Cassie, Dad, Cassie, Dad, Cassie, <laughs> Dad. Uh, <laughs> great dialogue in that film. Um, <laughs> all right, well, let's go ahead and move on, guys. Uh, if you have not seen Cocaine Bear, like we said, we all liked it to varying degrees. But who gives a fuck? Like we all recommend it, just like regardless of our intricate thoughts or any nitpicks we have, it's a fun time. You should go watch it in theaters with you know other people around you to kind of take that in even if they're talking through the whole thing or cheering for 80 for Brady (laughs) um, (laughs) you're still going to have a good time it's a fun movie go see it Uh, we're about to get into spoilers just keep listening even if you haven't watched the movie there's nothing in Cocaine Bear that's going to make you go oh what they did that it's kind of what you expect but just you know in case you're very averse to spoilers go check out the movie and come on back everybody else stick around we're about to get into all of our big questions Alright guys, well, as always, before we get into all of our questions and in-depth conversation, how about you start us off with some cast and crew talk?
1: All right, so Cocaine Bear is directed by the one and only Elizabeth Banks, who of course is most well known as an actress, but she also directed Pitch Perfect 2 and that horrible Charlie's Angels reboot. Um, it's written by Jimmy Warden, and our score for the movie is composed by Mark Mothersbaugh.
2: And going through our cast, we got Carrie Russell as Siri, O'Shea Jackson Jr. as David, Alden Ernrick as Eddie. Isaiah Whitlock Jr. as Bob, Jesse Tyler Ferguson as Peter, Brooklyn Prince as Dee, Dee, Christian Convery as Henry, and we got Margot Martindale as Ranger Liz, and Ray Liotta as Sid. All right, guys, there's our cast and crew. Any positives, any negatives? What do we got?
1: Yeah, I unfortunately have one very big negative for this movie. Ray Liotta, his performance is deader than he is. Every time he was on the screen, (laughs) I was like why are we wasting time with this? He's not even on screen that much. And every time he was there, he really took me out of the movie. I thought he was horrible in this movie.
0: (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I thought he was fine.
2: (laughs) I think I'm going to shout out Margot Martindale as Ranger Liz. I think she was probably my favorite performance of this one. Um, I just liked all of her little antics, like at the beginning with uh, the guy that she had a crush on. And then as he's, Yelling at the boy and yelling at
1: the bear and trying to shoot him. I just thought all that was so funny. I thought she was hilarious in it. I have never laughed so hard as someone getting shot in the head as when she shot that one kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and she didn't
0: even feel bad about it. She's like, I'm sorry. He was in the way. <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> I think my main shout out is probably just going to be Elizabeth Banks. I just really liked the style she brought to the movie, kind of the flow, the way it looked, the way it was shot. Um, and yeah, that's the way it was put together. And I think a lot of that probably falls onto her. So. Definitely her best uh, directing effort. yet. Yeah, I can say that confidently. And she also gets extra praise because, as we know, one of Matt's all-time favorite movies is Wet Hot American Summer. That's going to say. She was in, and this movie opens with that same song mm-hmm. that opens Wet Hot American Summer. <laughs> and I was the only one that cared in theater. <laughs> so, I also was that. the
1: only one that cared in my theater, but that got that movie off to a great start. And yeah, I think Elizabeth Banks does deserve a lot of praise because she found a way to make everything funny, even though it's so gory. Like there should have been times where you're like kind of turning your head away. But for whatever reason, I never felt the need to look away or anything like that. I was just laughing every time the bear was doing anything on screen.
0: All right. So you know what we thought about Cocaine Bear. But what does the world think? What does everybody else have to say? Well, let's get into it. Cocaine Bear received mostly positive reviews and currently has a 71% over in Rotten Tomatoes. The site's critical consensus is, despite Cocaine Bear's half-baked plot and uneven acting, the titular fur Fiend scene-snorting frenzy will give B-movie enthusiasts contact high. All in all, the entertainment value of this movie was praised, but kind of like we've already talked about, the character writing and pacing definitely received some criticism here and there. Um, the movie actually only cost, apparently, as much as $35 million to make, and in its first weekend in theaters, it has already made 23 million uh, and dethroned Ant-Man in the Wasp Mania when it comes to, like, number one and number two at the box office in terms of uh, which is doing better. Ant-Man, Jove off a cliff, um, shocker, um, <laughs> cocaine bear came in uh, to take the throne, and we're all happy for it.
1: I do think this one is a bit ahead of a B-movie for me. I think it's an above average comedy, and- We haven't seen comedies like do great at the box office lately. So I'm happy it's making its money back and it's showing that there is still a place for a a film like this.
2: Yeah, I kind of agree with what you said earlier, Austin. I think this is definitely going to be one that's going to stand the test of time as far as like background movies you can put on at parties. Um, It's one that you don't have to take too seriously. It's a story you don't have to really pay attention to. Uh, The acting, it's it's there, but it's nothing spectacular. And you just get to watch a bear, you know, tear up some people. So I, I don't think this is going to be one that's like, oh, this is one of the best movies of all time. Like, this one definitely flew under the radar. I don't think anybody's going to be saying that, but I definitely think it's going to be one that, yeah, it's going to stand the test of time as far as rewatchability and just something you can put on, uh, you know, casually.
1: And we all know how much you care about rewatchability, Keith. Yeah. This it passes my test. I mean, if we did a rewatchable bracket, would this be in the top for you? No, probably not. No. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
0: what if we did a Ray Liotta bracket? Ooh, no, no. <laughs> no way. All right. Well, it's time to get a little bit deeper, as deep as we can, at least with something like this. Uh, so let's go ahead and get into our roundtable discussion. It's the main part of our show where each of us brings a point or two to something that we think we should talk about at least a little bit more in depth and break it all down. So where are we starting today?
1: So as we touched on, I, I do think this movie gives you exactly what it promises in both its title and its marketing. So I, I just kind of want to know, what were the highs, you see what I did there, mm-hmm. of your the viewing experience? And then also, what were some of the lows?
0: <sighs> um, that's a good question. I think we've already referenced some of the highs. I mean, that opening with the Wet Hot American Summer song, and then Matthew Reuss just dancing. And then the audience like reaction whenever he is going to jump out of the plane and then hits his head and slumps out was a great like like first big moment. It felt like it was like, okay, I know where we're going. Uh, another one of the biggest laughs happened right after whenever they put like all the text on the screen about bears and then it just said source Wikipedia. <laughs> that was good. That was that really was, good. The audience uh, chimed in big for that one. But even like, I don't know, like when it comes to nonspecific moments, I guess most of the highs had to do with the bear, whether it be a kill or a funny moment. Again, I know we're going to get into the characters as we go on here, but more often than not, they would probably factor into the lows. The interesting things. it sounds like we're all kind of on different sides of that. Austin and I being like literally on different sides, like it sounds like whenever it cut back to Kerry Russell, you were like kind of like, oh, I'm excited about this. Whereas I was like, oh, I'm not excited about this and vice versa when it came to the drug storyline with uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr. and Alton Ehrenreich. But so so, I don't know, like just like the character dynamics, like I said, for the most part, it's not that they were lows. I just didn't really care. There wasn't enough meat on the bone. Um, But when it comes to like, Another like specific high moment. It's probably the ambulance chase with the bear <laughs> <Yep. laughs> that leads to, I guess, the most brutal kills. Like watching Margot Martindale fall out of an ambulance and literally her head scrapes across the ground, um, and then like the girl, like you, like you see it like in a wide shot crashing into a tree and then flying out. I mean, that was a high. It felt like people talk about it in the movies all the time, but it, uh, I know it doesn't work this way. But it feel it feels like most of the budget went into that sequence it kind of felt like that was the big sequence of the movie
1: yeah that's my favorite standout event is with the whenever the medics show up um i also i found the standoff at the gazebo pretty exciting like the dialogue there i thought was probably the funniest of the movie just between the cop and osha jackson jr's character i think my other like big standout moment is when uh carrie russell's character finds uh the kid peter in the tree and they're going back and forth i really enjoyed that and that set up to my that set up my favorite pairing of the film was I just I found that kid really funny uh, and I thought Carrie Russell was giving the best performance of the movie so every time they were together I was enjoying that sequence probably more than um, any other stuff without the bear in the film a couple
2: of the biggest highs for me was like I said earlier Ranger Liz and all of all of her interactions were hilarious to me I just like the way she handled the gun and like just her sheer panic on her face and her screaming was so funny Another scene that stood out to me was the the scene where the two kids, uh, Henry and Didi, do mm-hmm. cocaine. I thought that was kind of funny. That was funny. She's <laughs> like, "Oh, how much do you take? At least a tablespoonful."
0: Yeah. They, they both spit it out. I thought that scene was so funny. Definitely, yeah. The movie's chock full of moments like that. I'm kind of like remembering some of them in real time. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's. I guess it's weird to say there's no. Like, bad sequence, I don't think. There was never a moment where I was like, wow, this is really dragging. Even though it's only 90 minutes long, I think I agree with what Austin said earlier. It it still somehow feels too long. Like, maybe they could have shaved off, like, 10 minutes. Like, that's kind of probably all it would have taken. So, yeah, it's kind of a weird one. Like, there was never a moment where I'm like, I hate this scene or this is bad. It's just, I guess the way it comes together can be a little off-pacing-wise. Because, yeah, I, I can't think of, like, a low in terms of a sequence. For me, all the lows are just like, the characters themselves. Like, I, I just didn't care really about them. But what they were going through and the situations they were placed in, I thought were pretty hilarious. Even some of, like, the bad moments, like, like objectively bad moments still made me laugh. And I think they were kind of purposeful, like, to get, like, that 80s feel. Like, I was the only one in the theater that laughed when, <laughs> at the end, um, uh, they're going into, O'Shea Jackson Jr., Alden Aaron Rock, Ray Liotta. everybody's going into the cave at the end. But uh, the younger ones are starting to, like, pull back. And it's like, Sid, we can't do this. Remember what the bear did to that hiker? And then it just like flashes back like for like a five second flashback of them finding the guy from the beginning and going, whoa! I was like, why Why did we need to do a flashback there? <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, So even some of that dumb shit like that, it's still, I don't know, it still works. So I don't know. I guess like I, I said at the beginning, my only criticism is the characters, like I said. So it's like, would this movie have been like, an all-timer <laughs> like just like much better if the characters were somehow written better? Maybe, but it just I guess it's weird to say, but it doesn't feel like that kind of movie.
1: I think for me in terms of Lowe's, the only sequence I can think of that I was just was bored during was when they actually go into the cave. Like that whole sequence with the waterfall and I thought the baby yeah. cubs were cute, but that was when I was like, alright, I'm ready for this to be over. I, I got what I wanted from this movie and they can cut to credits now. And also there wasn't anything creative really in that sequence. Like all the fun kills were behind us at that point, so I was just at that point. I was like, "All right, when are we getting the credits?"
2: I thought it was kind of weird that that whenever she found Dee Dee, they they just didn't get out of there right away. I hate in movies whenever they like they find somebody and they're in a dangerous position and they just talk there forever. It's like leave, get out of there. Yeah, they like they go to
0: this <laughs> waterfall and it seems like there's a way out, and then like it, it cuts back to other characters, then it cuts back to Carrie Russell and them, and then. It, it turns out that the waterfall is a dead end. And I was like, oh, okay. I mean, I guess it's too high to jump. Obviously, they end up jumping. But I'm going with you, Keith. I was like, so why didn't, when they realized it was a dead end, why didn't they just go back out the way they came? Because the bear they show us isn't in the cave. And the drug dealers aren't there either yet. So I didn't understand why they just didn't go out literally the way they came in. (laughs) They just like huddled there at this dead end of the waterfall. Like, what do we do? (laughs) It's like, bitch, how'd you get in here? (laughs) (laughs) Just
2: All right. Well, let's go into you know the the cgi of the bear and how do he look whenever he was killing these people um what do you guys think of it all
1: i definitely agree with matt that they put their budget into the ambulance scene for sure that's like that has the most stakes and the most action but i always thought the bear looked good there was never a time when i was like oh this doesn't look like shit so i was happy they spent their money on the important stuff to make this movie kind of like look good in theaters
0: yeah it's like a i wouldn't call it a low budget movie and it's certainly not a high budget it's one of those uh more rare mid-budget movies that we don't see as much anymore that i really miss i mean it costs like 30 million dollars it's not an indie under 10 or like a marvel thing that's like over 100 um i kind of like being in this in this area and it kind of affords you certain liberties like is the bear obviously cg like yeah but it still looks good and i think like they did good stuff with it they we're able to make it do like goofy, unnatural things. So it's like the bear had kind of a personality. So you always knew that there was never a bear there, but it still works. And I'm glad that we can say that for sure. Um, like one of my favorite moments with the bear was um, the scene where Henry's in the tree and that, that, I don't even know what the, Ranger Liz's like crush, I can't remember what his. He like a nature inspector or something Yeah, weird. something like that. Um And whenever he climbs up into the tree, and then they both realize, oh, fuck, why are we up in trees? <laughs> Bears can <laughs> climb. And just like the one of my favorite shots in the movie was the bear climbing after Henry and then getting a whiff of the cocaine on the other guy. And just like that wide shot of watching the bear go down and then just sprint to the other tree and like get up to that guy in like two seconds and just watching him hanging there and like the blood from his leg like. You never see, like, like the leg coming off. You just see, like, the blood draining because he's upside down draining onto his face and stuff. I was like, oh, my God. So, like, <laughs> yeah. there was just some uh, great CG moments like that. And, and that was a, I think, fun creative kill outside of the ambulance scene, too. On the kill's front, that was also really, like, like happy because in the beginning whenever they do like kind of that standard horror movie kill where the woman is just dragged into a bush and then you just hear screaming and like the bushes is, i was like oh no is that gonna be like all the kills in this yeah where it's just like a character is dragged away and they kind of like almost tease us with that happening again because i think the um ranger friend gets dragged away next and he just gets dragged into a bush and i was like ah oh, fuck that's gonna be all the kills in this but then it's like oh wait no the scene's not done and then they uh like played it out with the gore in him like like falling out of the tree and breaking his neck it's like, okay, so we are getting creative kills. So uh they kind of teased us with like like a shitty, kind of boring tropey one at the beginning and then uh uh definitely amped it up from there.
2: What did you guys think of uh Ray Alota uh, Sid's character as uh, death. Like with the he got oh, sliced death? open.
0: I was gonna say, well we know what Austin thought of him, but <laughs> good thing you asked that question. I thought that was like, you know, the last kind of gasp of like, you know, fun deaths in the movie, obviously like watching the bear just, like, slice him open and then, like, having that blocking where he falls down <laughs> and then the cubs basically just come in and pull out, like, like one piece of, like, his intestines or something and Ray really, Leota just, like, screaming and realizing it's over. Uh, I thought that was fun. I didn't expect the cubs. I don't know why, but whenever they introduced quickly and, like, watching them covered in cocaine and then was like, they look like polar bears. <laughs> um, so I'm glad the cubs got one little uh, kill. I guess I was like, are they going to do that? That would be they pretty were... funny. And they did. The Coked Out <laughs> Cubs were cute as shit, too. Like, I want those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. All right, so we touched on it a little bit with the runtime. I know we all three kind of said, you know, maybe could have shaved 10 minutes off of it. Um, but overall, I thought the runtime was perfect. I don't think you needed to go over an hour and a half for this this type of movie. Um, but do you think there was a version, or maybe they should have been a version, where there was, like, a more detailed story uh, where the cocaine dealer storylines were a little bit more fleshed out?
0: I guess, yeah, the question would be, What was the um, production like of this movie? Like, was Elizabeth Banks the one that kind of made this movie happen? Like, was she involved with it from the start? Because if she was, I would have to imagine that she would only be interested in directing something that at least had, like, a lot of comedy in it. And I think if they had done, like, a more in-depth story about, like, the drug dealers and all that, we probably wouldn't have gotten that. Um, So I guess it just depends. I mean, like I said, it sounds like I was much more high on the, um, like, drug dealer storyline. So. I wouldn't have hated, like, seeing a version where they kind of kept that comedy then just cut out some of the other characters that I thought were a bit more boring or unnecessary. But I think at the end of the day, I I like this version. Um, I think this is something that's much more, like, enjoyable and fun to watch. So I I prefer this.
1: I think with how much they focused on the bear and the kills in this, he really needed the comedy to make it an enjoyable movie. It is interesting, though, because we have talked about how much kind of the characters do bring down the movie overall as much as good as the comedy is. So if we had had a better story for our characters surrounding the comedy, maybe that elevates it into that kind of great tier instead of average to above average. I think there could have been an interesting way to do like maybe the first half of this movie is an interesting narco story. And then when they end up in the forest to get their cocaine, that's when they run into the bear and it gets kind of more into that comedy range. Um, I think overall, I'm happy with what I got. I think there is a future cult classic status for this movie, so I'm excited to see that happen. Um, but it is interesting if there was better stuff surrounding it. Maybe it would be an instant hit.
0: The bones are certainly there in this movie. The structure's there. The story's there. That because that kind of works from a script standpoint, it's sound. Um, it, c- it can kind of fit into a bunch of genres. Like, yeah, I could totally see this working as like a more serious version, a more horror version. But I'm just glad this is the one we got. But it definitely could have worked in a number of different ways.
1: So to kind of wrap us up today, um, I guess I kind of want to take a step back and just look at the state of the box office as a whole. Like we kind of touched on, the only reason this movie really exists is because the people attached behind the scenes just wanted to see a bear on cocaine tear people up. Um, it's already on its way to make a profit, like we talked about. So how are you guys feeling just about the state of movies these days? Do you think something like this would have more success if it had gone just straight to streaming? Or are you glad there's a place at the box office for this type of mid-budget average comedy?
0: Yeah, I'm definitely glad that movies like this can exist outside of streaming. Like, it's it's very easy to picture like a scenario where that was the only place this movie existed um, on just a streaming service, and that's fine. And I'm sure a lot of eyes would go on to it. But I think because of streaming and the amount of movies and TV shows they're all individually pumping out, they don't feel as special, right? Like, I mean, tons of people watch like things on Netflix, but. They 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 would then have to like kind of factor cocaine bear like as part of their like general marketing. They wouldn't have like done in depth marketing like they've done because this one went to theaters. But really, at the end of the day, I already kind of mentioned it, and Austin uh, just shouted it out there too. I just miss the mid budget movies. I just miss movies that exist between ten and hundred million dollars. And I feel like we're getting less and less of those. And I think as Movies become more of a place where people only go to see the big blockbuster hits these days, it seems like, especially post-COVID. It's like even those indie ones, like they're still going to theaters, but it almost, it feels like people don't really seek them out or care as much. Like it, it almost feels like they just pop in a theater for a week and then it's like you hear about them come the next award season or something. So I just really hope that, you know, stuff like these that cost in that mid-budget range can still find success so we get more things like this because I think one of the reasons that we see less and less comedy um, is because they tend to cost around this amount and and we don't get to see kind of these fun just movies as much because this is the type of money that they would require but then I think people like behind the scenes are like well we could give you under 10 million dollars because who cares that's fine go make your little art house thing or we'll give you a hundred because we'll know we know now it'll make over a billion. But yeah, I guess these mid-budget movies either they just don't have the people behind them that want to do them, or they it's harder for them to like be successful. But I just really hope this is a sign that we get more stuff like this. Not not, not even like action comedies, just movies that are kind of mid-budget and because uh, they can explore and do some interesting things, and we're seeing less and less of it.
1: Yeah, I'm glad audiences are going out and seeing this one and that it is making a profit because. I totally understand when people like kind of look back and say, the only thing going to theaters these days is remakes or superhero movies. Um, even next week, Creed three is coming out and it's got a ton of marketing behind it. It's essentially the third rocket remake. So I am glad there's a uh, space for these kind of original ideas. And I'm glad audiences are going out to theaters seeing this movie. And they're kind of saying to studios, Hey, we still, we still want to see these movies if they're fun and have good ideas.
2: Yeah. I'm totally with you guys. Like it still appeals to my, my old school way of thinking when it comes to movies. Like I, I like to walk down the movie, um uh what's like the wall on the outside of the movie theater to see all the posters for the different ones coming out. And I don't wanna see just Ant Man or like you said, Austin Creed three or John Wick. Like I'm yes, I'm excited for those movies, but I also want to see Cocaine Bear and other other like you said, matt mid budget ones on there as well too. It just kinda gives you that that theater, um, good feeling kind of experience i don't want that to get lost too soon even though we're coming into this new age of streaming and all that too because if this one would have gone straight to streaming i mean maybe a lot of people wouldn't have heard about it um something like this could just slip under the radar there's nothing wrong with going to the theater and seeing an hour and a half movie i think people get in their heads nowadays that they got to go to the theater and see the the two and a half three hour long movie and it's just not the case for every time at least so
0: Yeah, it's another great point, Keith. I think movies, uh, especially the mid-budget ones, I think there is a correlation, I feel like, between that and an hour and a half runtime. As movies get more expensive and they pump those hundreds of million dollars into them, man, we have definitely watched the average length of a movie go up. I am not thrilled that it feels like the average runtime these days is like two hours and fucking 15 minutes.
1: But you got to spend all that time with your friend Scott last week.
0: Uh, I don't want to talk Scott. about scat <laughs> anymore. Um, but yeah, I just miss these these types of movies that are in and out. They are pretty upfront. They're to the point, whether it's a comedy or I think horror tends to fall in uh, that budget range and that like length of movie as well. Um, Scream 6 is coming soon. I probably should have looked at how long that was. That might go against my own argument. <laughs> but uh, Let's just hope this is a good sign for the future.
1: Well, and you would think, theoretically, studios would be incentivized to make more of these movies with how much they're putting into the large-budget two-hour-plus movies because they can show more screenings of this at the box office. There should be more of an opportunity to to make money off of these mid-budget movies and then put that profit back into the higher-budget, more expensive superhero movies.
0: Oh, wow. Guys, breaking news. Scream 6, also $35 million. But it is two hours and two minutes. Uh, little long, little long. Uh, we'll see what they we'll see what they uh, give us. I guess they went to the big city and had to get a big runtime. They had to give it an additional thirty minutes because our girl Hayden P. Hayden Panettiere is back, and she's she has to have her own thirty-minute subplot. Hell yeah, <laughs> brother! Well, before we close out here talking about uh, the year's best <laughs> cocaine bear, uh, let's do some Arnie's Podcast Awards, the part of our show where we can pick something positive or negative or something in between, just something that we feel deserves specific praise one way or the other. So, guys, I think we might have some good awards to give out today.
1: Uh, I'm going to give uh, the scariest moment of the year award. And uh, it's not going to Ray Liotta's performance. I thought about it, but it didn't do that. Uh, it is instead going to the Fast 10 trailer. Oh, I, th- I saw it for the first time before this movie started. Love it. And that, that was the scariest moment of the year for me. I don't know how they got 10 of these made. The movie looks atrocious. Jason Momoa looks like he's going to be horrible in it. You can't break up the family.
0: <laughs> Wait, didn't you like the part at the end after that where he goes, I'm coming for you, son. <laughs> Scariest moment of the year probably should go to Vin Diesel as Dominic. <laughs> that might be the worst acting that we've ever that's ever graced our screens.
2: Oh uh, well, we've given out a lot of regular awards in this show, and there's one regular award that comes to mind, and that's the best hair award. But I will not be giving out the best hair award. I am flipping the script, and I'm gonna be giving out the worst hair award. And that goes to Ray Liotta's character, Sid. I thought his hair looked, <laughs> it, it looked bad. really bad. It looked, it looked like it hadn't been washed in like 10 years.
1: <laughs> it <was laughs> looked almost as bad as his performance, huh? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, aw, don't throw that in there. <laughs> uh, speaking kind of tied to Ray Liotta, I'm giving an award out. One that I've been wanting to give out ever since I saw this movie in theaters, like however many years ago it was at this point. I'm the biggest fan of Solo, a Star Wars story. And it's a shame that nobody else loves that movie as much as me. But I get to give an award today to one of those loud women that love 80 for Brady that we mentioned earlier. (laughs) Because when Alden Ehrenreich first came on screen, she went, Han Solo? (laughs) So my award goes to her and she gets the Solo Appreciation Award.
1: (laughs) I'm going to give a fourth award today. And uh, it's the... Honorary Mark Hamill Regression Award. And Uh it is going to go to Ray Liotta. (laughs) I thought that might come up. (laughs) He went from Blackbird to Cocaine there, And of course, Mark Hamill got the Honorary Most Improved Actor of the Year Award for his performance in The Empire Strikes Back. But then he unfortunately did Return of the Jedi and he was horrible. So Ray Liotta, (laughs) congratulations. You get the Mark Hamill Regression Award.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. I almost am scared to look it up, but does Ray Liotta have another performance? Is this the last one? I hope it's not the last one. I'm looking it up right now. It looks like we have some more Ray Liotta. Um, my, my big hope, obviously, is that um, before, you know, all of these upcoming projects uh, run their course and they're all out, I just hope that Austin is able to, with good conscience, give Ray Liotta the Mark Hamill Most Improved Award. Because um, we saw him in Blackbird. He progressed here. We need one of these upcoming ones to – we need we need some improvement. And I want my friend Austin to notice it.
1: Well, unfortunately, one of the movies he has slated for upcoming production is a movie written and directed by Charlie Day. So I don't think he's going to improve on that one. <laughs> oh, okay. Hmm.
0: Well, maybe it'll be funny. I, I guess. <laughs> I hope.
1: <laughs> the star of Pacific Rim Two, Charlie Day.
0: <laughs> what a what a pick from his filmography. They made a second one of those. <laughs> they did. They did. I didn't see it. I hear it's bad. Um, well, with that, uh, shout out to Charlie Day in the second uh, Pacific Rim film. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we really would really appreciate that. To continue to grow our show, please leave us reviews as well. Even if you want to write anything, leaving us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts really does help us out. At the Arnie's is our social, and the Arnie's.media is the website. We'll be back next Tuesday for Creed 3. It's been several years since Creed 2, so I, for one, am excited to get back into the ring. I've heard good things. Um, I like this little spinoff um, franchise within a franchise I gotta say so I mean what do you guys think are you excited I'm
1: excited it's uh, Michael B. Jordan's directing debut I believe uh, yep. thank goodness Sylvester Stallone is not in this one so I'm excited for that <laughs> and Jonathan Majors is back on the big screen right after <laughs> Kang so can't wait to see him as well <laughs> Oh, no.
2: Austin, you're really bashing these veteran Hollywood guys, Ray Liotta and Sylvester Stallone today. Damn. Is
1: Sylvester Stallone a veteran Hollywood guy? Isn't his like, big hit I mean, The Expendables yeah. where he just grunts a few times? Have well, you seen Tulsa King yet?
0: We're not talking about quality. <laughs> he's a veteran in the sense that he's been around for like 50 years. <laughs>
2: um, yeah, I'm excited for it though. Um, I definitely need to go back and rewatch the other two
1: as my memory yeah, is a little faded on those, but
2: but yeah, definitely looking forward to another boxing movie with Michael B. Jordan.
1: And last week, if you want to hear us talk about one of the worst movies of the year so far, uh, we put out our thoughts on Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Scott Lane is back. Peyton Reed is back. Uh, that's really all I had to say.
0: Yeah, they say Kang's a villain, but I'd, uh, I'd, I'd offer Peyton Reed up for consideration. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and lastly, we want to hear from you. So please send us a message on Instagram at The Arnie's or email us at Media at gmail.com. What did you think of Cocaine Bear? What's the next animal you want to see go on a coked-out rampage? A ferret. A ferret. Okay, okay. What about you, Matthew? You got an animal in a shout-out real quick? Uh, before you I'm going to go
0: dolphin, actually. I think we need to bring this to the water, and I think whale or shark is too easy, so I want to see something like a dolphin that's traditionally portrayed as more friendly go on a monster coked-out killing rampage.
1: And I want to specifically see the dolphin from Failure Launch, that bit Matthew McConaughey. Okay, then well, I'll go with the chipmunk from Failure Launch. Yeah. <laughs>
0: There was another. Wasn't there another animal?
2: Uh, yeah the the lizard. Um, okay, we'll throw the, the lizard in
0: there. too <laughs> Maybe wait, Austin. Do you I know it's a little bit unconventional, but do you think eventually we could get? I know he's not an animal per se, but could perhaps Bradley Cooper's character Demo? Go on I, was,
1: I was just about to say, never forget, Bradley Cooper played a character <laughs> named Demo in that movie.
0: Don't forget well, about Ace, those though too, too. Justin. Barthel. Oh yeah. I get that. What about in Wedding Crashers when his name was Sack? <laughs> he played the <laughs> character's named Demo and Sack.
1: <laughs> man, he had a rough start to his career. I'm glad he's doing good now. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, all right.
2: Yeah, send so us a message. Anything you say, we'll read on the show and react to it live on our latest episode.
0: That's all right, everybody. Uh, hope you enjoyed Cocaine Bear. I think it's kind of hard not to. Make sure, if you like it, go recommend it to all your friends and family because we want this movie to do super well. We want more like it. Um, Yeah, have a great rest of your week. We'll talk to you next time. And I guess before we review Creed 3, do your homework and watch Pacific Rim 2. Can't remember what it was called and also Failure to Launch.
1: (laughs) See you. Rest in peace, Ray Liotta.